It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Opponent Wednesday. Greg Amon from the Tampa Bay Times is on the show to talk about all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is not a very good Buccaneers team. They're 4-7 and seven on the season, but Jameis Winston could be back this Sunday after about a month-long absence due to injury, and Greg and I talk about that on the show. Before we get to that, there is some Aaron Rodgers-related news. There's a chance Rodgers could return to practice by the end of the week. It'll be about the six-week mark. Mike McCarthy downplayed it a little bit and said there's a schedule for all the guys on IR and and we're not worried about it. We're worried about winning our game against Tampa Bay and with the guys that are on our roster. And that's, that's what Mike McCarthy is supposed to do. But it is hard for the average Packer fan to look at this and not get excited because they should beat the 4-7 and seven Buccaneers. They should beat the Ofer Browns. And if Rodgers can come back for Week 15, then then the season is all out in front of them, as Brett Hundley said this week in, his, in a press conference. Let's not go nuts, but Rodgers has been ahead of schedule on this. He has come back sooner than I thought he would, sooner than I think most reasonable observers thought that he could or should. And whether it's the plates or this is the surgery helped or... They're not taking all these x-rays and slowing the healing process. Who knows? But it seems like he's on the right track. He is on the track to play when he is available to play, which is the the shortest possible timeline in this case. Now, speaking of playing, it's very clear Morgan Burnett was a key cog to this defense. Although they didn't play well with Burnett on Sunday, he played 99% of snaps. The Packers are going to pay Morgan Burnett. He is going to stay on this team. The safety that I didn't think played enough was Josh Jones. He played 35% of snaps, and I understand that he was brought in to be the dime linebacker, quasi-hybrid safety, and Morgan Burnett was supposed to be the nitro backer, and the Packers have gotten away a little bit from the nitro backer stuff with Morgan Burnett being out. And against Pittsburgh, they played a lot of Jake Ryan. Jake Ryan played 70% of snaps. And I just, I don't think that's the way that you need to play. I just, Jake Ryan is not athletic enough. And most teams can't run the ball well enough to make you pay for playing Jones. I want to see Jones and Burnett on the field at the same time. The safeties on this team, Zach Cruz and I were talking about this on Twitter yesterday. The safeties on this team just haven't played well enough. This was supposed to be a strength for the Packers, and it has not only not been a strength, it has been a weakness. Haha Clinton Dix has regressed for reasons that are unclear, 
Morgan Burnett's been hurt and Josh Jones has been a rookie. And so I think part of this falls on the shoulders of Dom Capers. He has been soft all season and really his entire career with the way that he's played his safeties. And it didn't matter when it was Nick Collins because he would freelance a little bit and he would he was fast enough and instinctive enough to make plays. Clinton Dix is not that kind of athlete. Morgan Burnett, not that kind of athlete. Josh Jones is that kind of athlete, but he's not he's not ideally suited to be the deep safety who's rangy and making making instinctive reactionary plays as a rookie. Maybe eventually down the line that's something you want him to do, but I, I don't even think that's the case. I think this is a player that you want near the line of scrimmage. You want him in man coverage. You want him blitzing. You want him defending the run. You want him doing all sorts of things in the box. And then if you want to play too deep behind, go ahead. Josh Jones should be the other linebacker next to Blake Martinez when they are in a traditional two linebacker nickel situation. That's just that's just what it should be. The one other interesting snap notice that I want to make is Ahmad Brooks played 65% of snaps on Sunday, and that's why you bring him in. That's why you sign a veteran player, because he can come in and give you quality snaps, which is exactly what he did. He didn't do a ton. He made some plays in the run game. He got some pressure. He exerted some force. And that's what you want from a backup outside linebacker, a rotation pass rusher for Dom Capers. Even Kyler Fackrell did some nice things in this game against the Steelers. So it's not all bad, I guess, is is this is all a long way of saying. As this team gets healthy, if Clay Matthews get, gets back, they can start to play better football, you hope. Kenny Clark is apparently getting close. If he doesn't play this week, he could play next week, and that would be that would be important in a game where the Browns are going to want to run the ball more than Tampa Bay. As we, as you'll hear with with Greg, the Buccaneers are not going to run the ball a lot. Doug Martin has been bad this year, so that's not something that you really have to worry about. Before we get to Greg Allman, I want to tell you about a really cool thing we're doing here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, and that is a partnership with Draft. Our listeners right now sign up. For a snake draft, it is so much easier. Your odds are winning are 80% better than the salary cap sites. And on the network, all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. If you use the promo code LONFL, you're going to play a real money game for free just by using the promo code LONFL. And draft is so sure that you'll love it, that they're offering a money-back guarantee up to $100 with that first deposit. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play right now for free with the promo code LONFL. The reopening is right around the corner and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, but I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. Greg Allman follows the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the NFL for the Tampa Bay Times. He is on Twitter at Greg Allman, A-U-M-A-N. He also hosts the Cannon Fodder Podcast. Greg, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Thanks for having me. Good to be on with you. Hope you're doing well. I am. Um, Let's let's start with the Buccaneers a, a little bit at the beginning of the season because this was a team that came in with a lot of of dark horse talk that this was going to be a much improved team over last year and I guess my my first question is did you see what others saw in terms of a much improved team that that could take the next step because clearly they haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought this is a team that, that could be better than last year when they were 9-7, and seven. and I, I guess was concerned about the schedule, just because it always was a daunting schedule with a lot of good teams uh, and a lot of good quarterbacks on it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have thought this was either a 9-7 and seven or a 10-6 and six team. I thought they'd be right in the thick for, for a wild card. I, I didn't really think they would uh, win the division. I, I don't know that I expected the the Saints and Panthers to be the two at the top right now. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, I think like most people, I thought they'd be improved and in a position to uh, to get a playoff for the first time in, you know, nine, ten years. But, uh, yeah, it just, you know, it hasn't been there for a lot of reasons. And I think it probably starts with Jameis Winston being hurt. And, you know, sure. you get a two-and-one start, and then your quarterback gets hurt. And when, for a lot of teams, once that happens, everything else kind of goes out the window. They haven't been nearly – uh, the defense they've needed to be too. Yeah, and and how much? I mean, it, this is sort of impossible to know. But the the situation with the the storms and the bye week. I mean, that not playing week one and then having to play fifteen straight when maybe one of those games is a game that Jameis Winston could have sat a week and and now you're another game behind. I mean, this was there's some weirdness in this season too. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't put too much. I mean, they would have played 
the first 10 games of the season in a row, right. whether they have that buy or not. <laughs> so, so whether James gets hurt in week four or not, probably didn't have much to do with Hurricane Irma. But uh, it did kind of start the season off on an odd note. Uh, I think, again, I mean, Miami's a game they won in week 11. Had they had that win in week one, if they're 3-1 and one to start the year, that's a different kind of momentum. Um, but again, it's one of those where this defense is a is not a playoff team defense, right? And I don't know that any level of hurricane or, or not hurricane would have changed that. So uh, you know, set things off on an odd note. And, and again, playing 16 games in a row, they're they're dinged up the way a team that that hasn't had a bye since week one would be right now. Uh, and that's where they're probably feeling it the most is, is just the the physical wear and tear of playing right now uh, 11 games in a row. Has there been, I mean, the disappointment part of it, I think, has probably been nationally the biggest storyline um, for for casual fans, certainly for my audience. But is there something that, that we're missing that we're not seeing that, that maybe is has gone a little bit under the radar in terms of something that has been important, whether it's a player progressing in an important way or coaching or, or something of that nature? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably five things I would point to. I mean, I think most people in terms of the confidence they had in this team pointed to the defense and right. the progress they made in the second half of last year with Mike Smith and understanding his scheme. You know, they had a five win, five game win streak in the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. And the defense was really a big part of that. And I think there was understandably the expectation that they could start this year where they finished off last year in terms of guys being on the same page, understanding where to be, how to play this defense the way Mike Smith wants it. And unfortunately, and then for whatever reason, with largely the same personnel, they've regressed in a bad way. Um, this was the number one defense in the NFL on third downs last year, and they're the absolute worst defense in the NFL on third downs now. Wow. Uh, they're giving up 49% conversions, which would be the highest in Bucks history. Uh, that's a lot of bad defenses yeah. that are worse than. And, uh, and even offensively. I mean, Jameis Winston probably wasn't as sharp as they would have liked even before he got hurt. Uh, the run game has not been there at all. You know, for all the talk in the offseason uh, about potentially drafting a running back, you know, they, they trusted that Doug Martin would get back to the form he had. And I think uh, there's a lot more to why they haven't been a good running team than Doug Martin. Uh, but, I mean, he, again, as he was last year, is statistically one of the worst backs in the NFL. Yeah, Tampa Bay, not a good red zone defense either. They're, they're a little bit below middle of the pack. So if you're a bad third down defense and a bad red zone defense, you're going to be a bad defense, and and Packer fans know that uh, as well as anybody. O- offensively, there was supposed to be another, you know, aside from Jameis Winston potentially taking a step, and you mentioned that he hasn't been healthy, hasn't been as sharp as, as expectations were for him, but Mike Evans, it seemed like he had ascended to this mantle of one of the elite guys in the league. You bring in Deshaun Jackson, you draft O.J. Howard, and it's like, okay, let's go. And we haven't really seen that from this offense. No, no. They're, they're not in any way right now statistically better than they were a year ago. And yeah, the expectation was, wow, this embarrassment of riches. How are they going to keep all these people busy with all these targets downfield? Uh, you know, Mike Evans you know, hasn't had a touchdown in the last four games, hasn't had a 100-yard game all year. Deshaun Jackson has the lowest average per catch in his career, um, has not connected on the deep ball. I mean, the whole idea of bringing Deshaun Jackson here is that he would be uh, the guy that would stretch defenses and, and be the deep ball that they've sorely lacked, and he really hasn't been that. Uh, for whatever reason, whether it's Winston or Fitzpatrick, they have not been able to get their timing and, and rhythm down to be any kind of effective deep ball team. Uh, 
Um, you know, O.J. Howard's had moments. He's got four touchdowns. I mean, you don't, you don't want to discount what O.J. Howard has done, but he's been uneven. Um, had two touchdowns in one game, you know, went a full month without really doing much of anything at the start of the year. So they like him. and I think he'll definitely be a big part of their future. Um, but a lot of Howard's production has kind of just come at the expense of what Cam Brate did last year. Um, Cam Brate came out the gates and had touchdowns in four games in a row. Looked like he's going to be a lot like last year when he tied to the NFL lead in touchdowns. And he's basically disappeared in the last month. I mean, he has four catches total in the last four games, no touchdowns, 37 yards in four games. So offensively, again, I think some of it's that the line hasn't been as good as they want. Um, they're dealing with multiple issues at quarterback, obviously. Uh, but no, this, this hasn't been the step forward that they had hoped it would be. We'll get back to Greg in just a second, but I want to remind you to check out Locked on Bucks this week. The Buccaneers, not just the Bucks. Check out both the Locked On Buccaneers podcast and the Locked On Bucks podcast. We are now in full NBA swing. LeBron James got ejected last night. The NBA is really, really fun. And if you're struggling with this Packers season, the NBA is a great way to sublimate some of your rage for this season. But also the Locked On Bucks, meaning the Locked On Buccaneers podcast for the Tampa Bay perspective on this week. And you should always keep it locked on Bucks, locked on NBA, and locked on NFL. All right, back to the interview. It sounded like you were describing a rookie tight end. So I think we yeah. had been a little bit too too quick to point out like, oh, what an impact player he could be when when tight end is a, is a really tough position for rookies to play because you have to know the blocking schemes. You have to know the routes. You have to know a lot and more than most rookies have to handle. So... From that standpoint. Yeah, we had done that. And actually, back in the summer, had looked at you know your your first round draft picks over the last 10, 15 years, and anything more than about four hundred yards is a great rookie year for a, a rookie tight end. I mean, his four touchdowns are going to put him among the best in the last decade. I mean, Hunter Henry yeah. had a great number last year. Obviously, you have the the Gronkowski's and such that are are complete outliers. Right. But no, for the most part, he he's kind of been overall uh, what you'd hope a rookie tight end would be and, and just will continue to grow. But again, it just on aggregate, their offense hasn't taken the step forward. They needed it to be. What's the latest with Jameis Winston and his health? Um, he will practice on Wednesday. Um, you know, took three weeks off, um, you know, had played through injury for basically three and a half games. Um, and I had modest success at times. Second half against Buffalo had a great half. But most of the time, was not efficient, was not moving the offense consistently. So they shut it down. Uh, Fitzpatrick has played well in the last three games. They're two and one, you know, with a 34-year-old backup quarterback. Uh, but no, the plan was uh, he got evaluated yesterday. Uh, they kind of put him through some rehab work. If he's not sore today, uh, he'll take all the reps tomorrow with the plan of him uh, playing at Lambeau on Sunday. And so if you're if you're the Packers defense, how what is the most effective way to attack this this Buccaneers offense and and I guess vice versa, how do you think they will attack this Packers defense with Jameis Winston? Yeah, I mean the offensive line um has not been able to establish the run consistently at all. Um Doug Martin's in concussion protocol, so they probably won't have their starting running back. I don't know that that really hurts them from a production standpoint, just because the backups have probably outperformed Doug for the most part. Um, didn't do much Sunday. Uh, I mean, they were able to, you know, play with Atlanta, but I mean, Peyton Barber as a backup had, I think, five carries for seven yards. 
Uh, Jacques Rogers had maybe eight for 31, which isn't too bad. But between the two of them, um, you know, they, they're going to try. Uh, they're going to try and establish the run first and foremost. Um, they're going to run on first and second down and try and set up reasonable third down passing situations. But again, I mean, Mike Evans has been inconsistent, uh, missed on two touchdown balls in Atlanta that he probably could have caught. Uh, Deshaun Jackson had eight catches on Sunday, but only for 60 yards, which is like the lowest average he's had in any game in his career when he's had that many catches. Uh, so no, I mean, I wow. think Green Bay, um, you know, I think Green Bay probably is playing with a little bit more confidence after what they did Sunday night. Um, you know, the Bucks are not a team that can get to the quarterback very well. So, um, they've played a ton of veteran quarterbacks. I think they've had five or six games against the, the 35 plus crowd, whether it's Eli or Brady or Carson Palmer or all these types. So to get to a young guy who's only making whatever his fifth or sixth career start, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's been the exception. They've been getting a lot of, you know, veteran season quarterbacks. And, and the problem is that if, if the pass rush isn't getting there, these experienced quarterbacks have been able to pick apart the zone defense and, and find the seams. Um, I think they've had four games this year where opponents have had a quarterback rating of 125 or higher, uh, which is, you know, tops in the league. Yeah. Um, they're dead last in pass defense, dead last in total defense, dead last in third down. So, uh, you know, it's a game where, I mean, it's outdoors, which is what I would say would help because they've had four terrible games on the road in domes. So the fact that it's outdoors, even though you wouldn't normally say that about Green Bay in December, is actually probably <laughs> – an advantage for them just because it's not a dome and they've really struggled in these dome games on the road. So, uh, you know, right now I go in, just, there's so much wrong with his defense that it's hard to think about them holding green Bay to under 24, 27 points. Um, you know, I mean, the Falcons are, are better offense by all means, but I mean, Falcons went 11 of 14 on third down, wow. which is matches, matches the best of any team in any game this season. Um, you know, Julio Jones is obviously one of the better receivers in the league, but I mean, Julio had 12 for 253. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was, in, he was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So you go in thinking, okay, you know, they don't want their best, you know, you don't want to get beat by what they do best. And, and they, uh, they kind of took a, a different approach to Julio than most teams do. Um, but, and tried a lot of different things, all of which didn't work. So I'll be curious to see, um, you know, I think the quarterback's not nearly as dangerous, but you think about the receivers they line up with on Sunday in Green Bay, Packers present a lot of problems. So uh, big challenge for this defense to try and get back and play close to the level uh, of where they want to be. Yeah. Do you, do you, I mean, it's early in the week still. So do you, without, without making you have, you know, have a prediction without knowing about what the situation is going to be health wise with everyone, how, just how, give me your, your initial feel for how the game is going to go. Right now there's, there's a ton of injuries. And I think that that's probably the biggest dynamic yeah. uh, getting Winston back. You would think would give them more of a chance just to outscore the Packers, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't know. Is he going to come back and play like Jameis Winston in week one? Or is he going to play like a guy that hasn't played in four weeks and wasn't playing all that well when he did? So Winston is probably the single biggest wild card in this, is just not knowing what he's capable of coming back to in his first game back from injury. If he is, in fact, healthy and has kind of the fresh legs of having no practice for three weeks, um, maybe they can keep up. And right now I tend to think this is a game that the Packers probably win. Uh, about 31 to 20 or something like that, like, like win fairly easily. Um, 
you know, this, this Bucks offense has been terrible in the first half. Um, they, they haven't scored a touchdown in the first half of six of their last seven games. Um, it's like they had a good game in Miami two weeks ago, and they had 20 points in the first half. But in their other six games, they had 19 points total in the first half of those six games. Wow. So what happens is that that digs a big hole. Uh, you have no chance to have any kind of run game in the second half if you're playing you know, two touchdowns down. Um, so they've actually put up a decent amount of yards in these comeback attempts, trying to stay with teams on the road, um, but have you know have come up short. This was a good road team a year ago, and they really haven't been this year. So um, there's a, like I said, a ton of injury injury questions. They have four guys in the injury in concussion protocol. There's another four that either missed the game Sunday or left the game with injury. Three of their starting five offensive linemen left the game with injury and came back. So. Wow. There's literally probably about 10 guys that are question marks from an injury standpoint. And even if they had, you know, half of them, they'd be operating pretty shorthanded in Green Bay. And that's not a place you want to go at less than full strength. Yeah, it was interesting to hear you talk about the the defense facing uh, a younger quarterback as opposed to a longtime veteran. And, and on the other side, Brett Hundley has only played above average by the numbers defenses in his starts this season. So this will be the first, not only sub average defense, but the first, you know, bottom tier defense that right. he's played. So it's sort of, um, you know, one team feels like they're getting a reprieve and so does the other in this case. <laughs> so um, that'll be right. an interesting dynamic to see uh, how that plays out on Sunday. Greg, uh, tell my audience where they can find more of your work. Oh, sure. Uh, main thing is TampaBay.com. That's the website for the Tampa Bay Times. Um, we got a podcast there every weekday. Uh, lots of stories, obviously. I'm on Twitter. Just at my name, at Greg Allman, G-R-E-G-A-U-M-A-N. And thanks again for having me. Thanks for coming on. I want to thank Greg again for joining Locked on Packers. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter, at Greg Allman. Cannon Fodder Podcast, Tampa Bay Times, it's all there for you this week especially. Tampa Bay used to be a common opponent when they used to be in the old NFC Central. It's now the NFC North, which means a team in Tampa cannot be in the NFC North. So, um, the, the in fact, Tampa Bay has only gone to Lambeau Field twice in the last 15 years. That seems impossible. But it's true. They've only been to Lambeau twice in the last 15 years, and they've lost 14 of the last 15 games on the road against Green Bay. This is I'm, I'm stealing this right from Greg's Twitter feed, by the way. So hat tip to him for these stats. Another, another great nugget from his Twitter feed. Temperature for the Packers expected to be 42 degrees in Green Bay. The Buccaneers are 1-10 all-time when it's 48 or colder at kickoff, 6-8 when it's 49 or warmer. So that is, a historically speaking, a bad omen. Brought to you by Greg Amon. See what I did there? All right, next two days, we're going to get you updated on the latest injury information. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers stuff doesn't matter for this week specifically because he can't play. He can't play this week. He can't play next week. So it doesn't matter for this week. He's not going to help anyone beat the Buccaneers, although I did float the idea. It came out that that Sean McVay was feeding audibles to Jared Goff in his helmet because that communication system doesn't get cut off until the 15-second mark on the playcock. And I thought, I had mentioned this to Jason Hirschhorn a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, why don't they, why don't they run a lot of what college teams do? And that is... 
You line up, you look to the sidelines, and the sideline gives you hand signals for audibles. Well, why not line up and let Rodgers look at what's going on, stay engaged in the game, and relay some hand signals to Brett Hummel? Why not? Now, Mike McCarthy's never going to do it, but why not? I think it'd be fun. I think it could work, frankly. And I'm surprised more teams don't do it. The fact that this seems revolutionary that Sean McVay would would give some audibles that they because they get to the line right away. They go essentially tempo every time the coach they get lined up and the coach says, "Okay, well, this is what we're going to do." And the quarterback can spend less time trying to figure out what's going on with the defenses and more time figuring out where he's going to put the ball. It's it's a brilliant move, I think. And I'm surprised more teams haven't done it. Packers aren't going to do it. So Sort of irrelevant for this podcast, but an interesting factoid nonetheless. We'll break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in more depth tomorrow. We're going to go deep into that roster, what they look like, where the matchups are, where the weaknesses are, where the strengths are. And then Friday, we'll give you an update podcast with injuries and everything you need to know to get set for Sunday in a critical game for the Green Bay Packers. Their playoff hopes are on life support. They are hanging by a thread, whatever metaphor you want to use, but they are still alive. And you can't win five in a row unless you win one in a row. So they have to win on Sunday. We'll see if they do. And you need to stay locked on Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network. But why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.